Good morning, North Northbrook Church. Uh, my name is Jason Henricks, a member here at uh, Northbrook Church. We also have Amy, D Amy Stabell here this morning. And so what we're going to be doing is uh, during the Scent series uh, that we just finished up before 1 Peter, um, we, we had a practice where we would read uh, scripture in a language and then we also uh, read it in, um, in English. So a language that is foreign to many of us, um, but may also be uh, the first language for some of the people here in this room or, or those who you love. And so um, this morning we are going to be uh, reading in Swahili and in English. So I'll go ahead and uh, have you turn, to your, um, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 22, we're going to start in verse 22. If you don't have a uh, physical Bible, uh, go ahead and just grab one of those off of the uh, back table if you don't have one at home. Otherwise, it'll be up here on the screen. Um, and that is our gift to you um, if you need to grab one of those on the back table. So starting in First Peter, um, verse 22, uh, Amy will start us off in Swahili. Madame Usasa, pakuti ukweli. Nini mezitakasa roho zenu kwa kwa pendana wazenu bila unafiki. Basi, pendaneni kwa moyo wote. Mana kwa njia ya neno haila mungu, nini mezaliwa upia. Si kama watoto wa baba awezae kufa, bali baba asie kufa milele. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Kama mandaniko yanavyosema, kila binadamu ni kama nyasi, na utukufu wake wote ni kama maua ya porini. Nyasi hunyauka, na maua huanguka. Lakini neno la buwana hudumu milele. Neno hilo ni hiyo habari njema, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Basi, acheni wote, wongo, unafiki, wivu, namaneno kashfa, gisiweko tena. Kama vile watoto wachanga wanavyotamaini maziwa, nani pia mnapaswa kuwa na hamu ya maziwa halisi ya kiroho. Ili kwa nguvu yake mpate kukua na kukombolewa. Kama yanavyosema mandiko matakatifu, mmegundua kama buwana ni muema. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, good morning. Great to be with you all. Always, again, enjoy that. Uh, one of the things, it's a, just a reminder to me that God's word is not bound. Uh, it's not bound to our language and our culture and uh, the thoughts we tend to have and the way we tend to see it, uh, but it is uh, much broader and much deeper and much wider um, and, uh, yeah, goes to every language and every tribe. And so uh, always encouraged by that. Um, and then that one, you know, I feel like the last few we've done, I've had some clue of the foreign language and what the words were. That one, I mean, no idea. 
I thought, I thought there might have been a Wakanda there for a second. I thought, I, but it wasn't quite that. Uh, but it was just like, wow, that language is nothing like anything I know. Um, and it's encouraging, encouraging to hear God's word in that kind of language. So uh, one, uh, one uh, kind of announcement-ish kind of thing I wanted to kind of draw our attention to before we hop into First uh, Peter is uh, this Wednesday night we'll actually meet uh, in the school parking lot at 630 uh, to do our second prayer walk. Um, so it's one of the things that in planting a church, you naturally do prayer walks. You pray for people, you pray for God to move and work in different communities and different neighborhoods. Um, and then in the midst of COVID, obviously no one was really uh, doing that kind of thing where they were out and about with people. And so in a sense, you know, even two and a half years in, we're starting to engage in some of those realities that we would have hoped to do uh, from the very beginning. And last time we had a handful of people from different community groups come out and uh, it was a really encouraging time. So I just want to invite anybody and everybody that would be interested in meeting at the school and going on a prayer walk throughout this neighborhood um, at 6.30 this Wednesday night to, to come out and we'll meet here. Kids are more than welcome. They're encouraged. We had lots of kids last time. Got the sweet to hear their prayers for, uh, for people to know and love God. And, um, and so it was really encouraging. Um, and then one thing unique about this time is we are actually going to, as we walk around and pray, we have these little fall festival cards that we're going to just, you know, put on people's door. We're not going to knock on people's doors. If you see a no soliciting sign, we're going to avoid that door. Um, and, but if we're just going to walk by and put these indoors and if uh, anybody asks us about it, we're just, hey, we're around praying and we're inviting people to uh, this event. And even something simple like that, some of you have just thought, I'm never going to do that. Uh, I don't want to do that. He, what he just said made me very uncomfortable. And I'm just saying, if that's you, you're in good company. Um, that, that is a reality. But one of the reasons we do things like this is uh, a couple things. One, we believe God is real. We don't believe he's made up. We don't believe he's just this, like we're here just doing nothing just to occupy our time because we don't have anything better to do. We believe God is real. Um, and we want like this running to the Father that I know, I know so many of your stories. I know my story. And, and I know the encouragement that that brings to me uh, and the encouragement that that brings to so many of you. And we want any and everyone to be encouraged by the reality that Jesus has come so that we might know the Father and be able to run to him. And so when we put these cards on doors, it's towards that end. It's towards that goal. As I've told you, we're not trying to grow our church to a certain number. We're not trying to keep our church at a certain number. Uh, we're trying to uh, be faithful to who God is and what he's called us to. So that's uh, why we do that. So, um, and then also, if you just have some, if this would be helpful for you to grab some of these um, and you want to like just put them uh, on your neighbor's door and text them and invite them or whatnot, there's some at the welcome table uh, on, on, the, on your way out. Uh, you can grab as many as you need. If you're not going to do it, don't grab them because, you know, what, what are we doing, you know. Uh, but if you're going to do it, grab them and, uh, and then take them and, and pass them out. Um, and I would say this, here, here's the, the thing, like as a church, we, we are, you know, desire, our even philosophy of making disciples is going to people, is, you know, we're going to the relationships we have, we're going to the families we have, we're going to the coworkers we have, we're going to the neighbors we have, and we're engaging and being in relationship with them with the hopes of uh, sharing the gospel. We're not a big church that's like, 
a come and see kind of thing. Like we're just planning on non-Christians to come to us for one reason or another. That does happen, but that's not our, our main goal. But this event, the Fall Fest, it is one thing we do every year where we like to open up our church and we like to use the resources God has given us and like to lean into this cultural reality um, and have a fall festival and give candy away and bless the community with, again, the hopes of getting to know people. There's going to be some people that are coming to that fall fest just for the purpose, like there's so many people are serving in bounce houses and whatnot. Some people are serving. They're just coming to get to know people, engage people, uh, welcome people, be hospitable on behalf of the church. But again, all of that is towards the end goal of people running to the Father and seeing his goodness and grace uh, for their life. And then to be honest with you, if it's something that we eventually see that not bearing fruit towards those ends, then we wouldn't do it. We're not married to anything. Uh, we, I mean, we're married, never mind. We're, 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 we're not committed to anything that doesn't accomplish the end goals of enjoying God, making disciples, and planting churches. Uh, but this is one of the things that we try to do uh, towards those ends. And so, again, 6.30 this Wednesday night, you can come be there. And then the Fall Fest, I think, that's, this is horrible, that it's Saturday? Yeah, so Saturday, Fall Fest. Well, I just literally held up a card that said the information, but that's how my brain works. Uh, so yeah, that's Saturday. You can find more information on the cards in the back. Uh, so there's that. First Peter. Um, you can see, uh, as you heard uh, the scripture read, you can see that First Peter is kind of turning uh, a bit and, and turning to kind of how we live out uh, the Christian faith and how it kind of plays out in our life. And Peter starts with how we love one another as the church. Like it's a, a really specific uh, kind of way that we love one another. When Peter talks about brotherly love, he's not necessarily referring to the city of Philadelphia. That's that Greek word that's interpreted. That's not exactly what Peter, it's not what he's talking about. He's referring to how the church should go about loving one another. And so I want to help us kind of focus on that for a minute because we're going to hear a lot of relational talk. We're going to hear a lot of God's, you know, eternal truth that could bear fruit in our relationships. And let's be honest, we all have a ton of jacked up relationships. Uh, we really do, like with family, with friends, with coworkers, with bosses, with uh, you know, employees. We, we just have jacked up relationships in our life. So we're often hungry for anything that will help in those areas. Because we're like, man, I want, this is not good and I want it to be better, how do I go about that? And there's gonna be some truth here that applies to that. But Peter is not talking about any of those relationships I just mentioned. He's talking about a very clear relationship and it's our, those that are members of Northbrook, those that call Northbrook home, those that are part of Northbrook, our relationships with one another. Like my relationship with you, your relationship with me, your relationship with those that uh, are here today, those that aren't here but are a part of this church, that is what Peter is talking about. So I want us to kind of think through that lens, and it's going to be hard, but even if you think through that lens, it'll be, it'll be revealing maybe in some ways it should be a couple things. It should be like, okay, I can think through these relationships and this is how I should be interacting. But also you might have very little to think about there. Uh, you might have a, an absence of substantive relationships with people at Northbrook and let that be revealing and let the Lord do a work there uh, in that reality. And, and I, I want to just encourage a couple things. When we, hopefully as you hear God's word and you hear God's truth, it, it should be two things. It should be confirming and convicting. But, but sometimes we, we tend towards one or the other in the sense of sometimes we just want to always hear what's right about our life. And so we hear that and we don't feel conviction about what's off. 
But sometimes we often just want to hear about what's wrong in our life, and we miss the encouragement of being encouraged by, man, this is actually taking place in my life. I can point to real ways that God is working and doing this in my life, and we, we need to feel freedom to, to let the Spirit, don't let our tendency to always think about what's wrong or a tendency to ignore what's wrong and always think about what's right, uh, ignore the Spirit encouraging us, like, man, you are doing this. Praise God. Be encouraged. Or, you know what? This is absent in your life pretty significantly and, and feel that conviction. I want us to uh, think about it uh, in that way. Um, and this is the distinction, you know, talking about loving the church that's made throughout the Scriptures, uh, Jesus says more broadly in the great commandment that we're to love our neighbor. That's, that's everybody. That's anybody we come in contact with. It's, I mean, if you go by how Jesus describes that and uh, the good Samaritan and the guy, it's just whoever we, we come in contact with, whoever we meet that has need. That's anybody. He's not talking about just the church. The great commandment is, is much broader than that. But then Jesus also says in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. E even the book of 1 John, if you read the book of 1 John, it, the, uh, the major theme is the church's love for one another. And so again, when you're thinking about that, be thinking about Northbrook. That's, here we are. This is the church we're at right now. Uh, if you are a guest and visiting from out of town or something like that, think about your local church. Or if you're not a part of a local church, think about, okay, what's that mean for me? But that is what Peter uh, is talking about. Um, and we're actually going to slow down and spend uh, a couple weeks in this passage. We read it all. We'll read it all again uh, next week. Um, and so, you know, verses chapter one and then chapter two, it's, it's really all one passage and one thought, but it's two different focuses. And so we're going to slow down and, and kind of consider them both over uh, a couple weeks. Really, this one that we're going to focus on this week is almost more of a positive call towards what God would call us to in our relationships with one another. And the next passage, starting in verse 1, uh, shows really many of the things that get in the way of us having these kinds of relationships with one another. So here, here's the big idea that we'll get from this passage, and it's just this, that you have been born again for the sake of loving one another, so love one another. It's a big idea. You have been born again for the sake of loving one another, so love one another. Even in these verses 22 through 25, Peter, he really begins with the end and ends with the beginning. Let me say that again because it's kind of a confusing statement. Peter, he begins with the end and then he ends with the beginning. In verse 22, he's talking about the outcome of believing the gospel. And in verse 25, he ends with a reminder of the first time they, they heard the gospel. And one of the reasons I think this even in and of itself is, is instructive because as Westerners, we just love linear thought. We love this action to this action leads to this action every time and always. We, we love that kind of thing. Um, and, and Peter's not really doing that. And the Bible often doesn't do that. Sometimes it is, but often it's like this amalgam of truths and realities that are interconnected with one another that are simultaneously going on that it's even sometimes hard to tell where one ends and one begins but yet they are different uh, they're not the same thing uh, they, they work together in this this way and that's that's kind of the truths that Peter uh, is talking about here there's clear things that can be known there's clear things we can identify but even in these simple truths we have some of the mystery that just occupies eternal realities 
uh, that, that they just work together in that kind of symbiotic relationship. But what we do is, again, we think linear thoughts. And if we're, you know, dealing with widgets or dealing with spreadsheets, you know, this plus this should equal that. But what happens when we do that same thing in relationships, we think this plus this should equal that, and it actually is never equaling that. And our brain short circuits, and we're like, well, the world is ending. I have no idea what to do. And, and again, it's just our linear thought has been, you know, kind of pressed against, and, and it's more complex than that uh, often. Uh, but there's great truths for us. Uh, and again, what Peter is focusing on is within the relationships uh, of the church. Um, and so look at uh, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And so just a little kind of like Bible nerd stuff real quick. This is like in this verse, uh, what we see is kind of this chiastic structure. Uh, and we see those all throughout uh, the scriptures and we don't often point them out, but they're often important and they're telling. And this one is as well. And so by that, with that structure, what I mean is like there's this kind of main point and then there's two supporting points before that and two supporting points after that. And those points are connected to one another. You, you can see it pretty clearly with the purified souls. Having purified your souls, and then we see, since you have sincere brotherly love, love one another with a pure heart. And so purifying your souls and pure heart go together. Obedience to the truth and earnest go together. There's that kind of structure with those points. And they're all kind of pointing towards this kind of brotherly love that we're supposed to have for one another. That's what we're seeing. And, and they really represent kind of the logic of the Christian life. It's the reality that you have a purified soul, so love with a pure heart. You are obeying the truth, so earnestly obey the truth. It's this idea of this, this reality that has happened to us. It's reality that what God has done in us, and now God says, uh, just like he says, you know, uh, for sincere, for, it's all happened for sincere brotherly love. You have this brotherly love. Now, it's, the exhortation seems a little almost redundant or weird. It's like, you have this sincere brotherly love. Now, love one another. And, and that's the Christian life. It's these realities that have happened to us, these truths that we know, these truths that we can kind of see. But, but God's, God's wiser than we are. We think we know something, so we're probably doing it just fine. God's like, no, you know this. Now, now go. Go and do this very thing that you know to be true. That is the reality of the Christian life. And so as we think about this brotherly love, let's just look at these two qualifiers real quick. What does it mean to love from a pure heart? What does it mean to have brotherly love for one another from a pure heart? If you remember back to the Sermon on the Mount, which I know you all probably go back and listen to that sermon series most always. Uh, but... Um, it, that, that purity that was talked about there is it's the opposite of hypocrisy. Jesus was pressing against the hypocrisy in our own hearts, the hypocrisy in the Pharisees' heart, and they are opposites. Hypocrisy is double-minded. It's I'm presenting this kind of thing, but really what's going on in my heart and my mind is this kind of thing that you aren't really, I'm trying not to let you see. And purity, a pure heart, means those are actually one. It means what's coming out of my mouth, my actions towards you are actually coming from what I desire most for you. There's not this division. There's this purity. There's this uh, single-mindedness in, in how uh, we love one another. And, and really one of the ways we grow towards that, because here's the deal. 
we should know this, none of us are completely pure. None of us are completely pure in our relationship with one another. There's no one in your life that you have a completely pure relationship with. Now, there's some that may be more pure than others for sure, but, but none of us are completely pure. But, it, but here's one of the ways we actually take steps towards purity. It's just like anything in our life is we actually acknowledge the impurity in our hearts and the impurity in those relationships that seem to be clouding how we're uh, feeling things. I, I, two examples. One, I think the older elementary age kids are in here, so I'm going to try to speak in code here. Um, uh, but there's, there's, there, there's struggles that men can typically have with objectifying women. And, and when men are in the throes of that struggle, there is no way that that doesn't actually affect our real relationships with women. Um, but the more we acknowledge that, the more we acknowledge, oh, I am actually objectifying this person. I'm not viewing them as God would have me view them. That is a step towards those relationships actually growing more and more pure. Uh, another example I think about uh, when I was at the village, and I, I went from uh, City View Church, which is right down the road here, so maybe a couple hundred adults or something, uh, to the village that had like a couple hundred people on staff. So it was just a very big difference. Uh, really, obviously, many of you are from there. Um, and one of the things that was kind of hit me was the, the reality of how much opportunity was present. And one of the things, you know, there's, there's a, sometimes just an awkwardness in interacting with the lead pastor, Matt Chandler, because like if you've listened to his sermons, you're like, I know everything about you. Like, I don't even know what, I'm not going to ask, like, hey, what are your kids' names? Like, I know your kids' names. I know, you know, you have just listened to your sermons for so long. So there's just kind of an awkwardness in trying to how to navigate that relationship just in general. But one of the things I realized with him and one of the other lead pastors is I realized that there was that, that opportunity, that, that desire to maybe be seen in a, in a particular way so that I could be, you know, available for opportunities as they would uh, maybe come available. I just realized that it clouded that relationship and it clouded my interactions uh, with them. And so I took time to acknowledge that and confess that and even share that with them. And obviously there was much grace and, and, and kindness towards me uh, from them. But, but there's just those kinds of moments where you realize, okay, there's something impure in my motive behind this relationship. It's not, I'm not presenting it as it is. Or, and sometimes you're even unaware of it and then you become aware of it. And then what are you going to do with it? Uh, are you going to hide? Or are you not going to acknowledge that? Or are you going to acknowledge it? One of the ways we take a step towards brotherly love with, with brothers and sisters. Again, I, that's one of the reasons I give that example because those, those are my brothers in the same church and the same staff. It was good to, to, to walk out brotherly love was to acknowledge some of, that, uh, some of those things that were getting in the way. What does that look like uh, for you with one another? Are there any of those things that are getting in the way? And then obviously to acknowledge uh, hypocrisy, to acknowledge those things that are off in our heart, it just means that we actually have the goal to love one another with a pure heart. Like, that's the desire. Like, that's a like some of us haven't even thought about that. We're just kind of going about life. But there's a goal that Peter's putting before us is that, oh, we should actually seek to have a pure love for one another, that we want good for them, that we've, uh, there's no selfish, hidden motive in our actions uh, towards others. And so it's good just to consider your relationships. Consider your relationships with one another here at Northbrook and see if there might be any of that uh, present. I think of even 
even as you think about interacting in kind of the more superficial level, that there's some things that can be telling about when we're in a relationship and it's just purely selfish. Now, there's some personality things here, but I think we should also be careful just to divorce personality from character. Because sometimes we're like, oh, this is just who I am. I'm like, Jesus actually says you shouldn't be that way. So you can't just be that way. Like, that's not a thing. I mean, you can confess it and you can struggle with it, but we don't just get to be things that the Bible says we should not be. Uh, we have to acknowledge those. Um, and so we have tendencies here. But, and again, so sometimes it is personality, but we, we should be careful, especially in our own lives when we're evaluating ourselves, like, oh, there might be something, some character issue going on here. Like, I think if, if you're the only one that's ever talking in any conversation you have, um, well, that would reveal a lack of care about anybody you're talking with, um, and perhaps an exaltation of all the opinions that they need from you uh, to have. Um, that would just be like a superficial way. If you dominate conversations, and, and we can all be, fall into that at certain times and be like, man, I just feel like I've got a lot to say here and, and no one else really needs to say anything. I'm, um, but do, do you do that? Uh, again, that would, be, that would be exposing that you're in that relationship just to kind of show something off, as opposed to look to this other person and care and consider, oh, what might I ask them? What might have happened in their day that I'd like to find out about? And, and sometimes it's, it, this is the common thing, obviously, even in conflict and whatnot, but they're saying something and you're just thinking about your reply. Um, again, there's, there's an idea of they're saying something. Oh, what does it look like for to ask more about what they're saying? To, to be curious. There's a, there's a curiosity that comes when we lay down selfishness in relationships. Uh, now, obviously, there's natural things where we're just continuing to talk long about. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if there's a tendency for it to always be that way, then that should be something uh, you should consider. Um, or I think even when you, uh, it's common, I mean, none of us like to admit this, but we give to others hoping to get something in return. Like we're relationally, we, we do, we we're generous, we give something, whether it's uh, financial, whether it's uh, even just helping, helping with something, serving in some way, but really we do have the hope that this is gonna return in some clear way. Again, that's, that's impurity there, and that happens in all of us, but what we, what's good for us is to acknowledge that, and that's not often uh, appropriate or needed to acknowledge with them, sometimes it is, but at least acknowledge it. Uh, in our own hearts, but loving from a pure heart leads to a mutual joy uh, and, and this kind of mutually giving and receiving in friendship and relationship where we're looking to bless and encourage and get to know and, and go deeper in relationship with this pure desire just to love one another with this kind of brotherly love. Um, and so that's purity. And then uh, you see that we have been obedient to the truth. And so Peter continues to encourage us to continue to earnestly obey the truth. So what, what does it mean to love one another earnestly? Well, one, again, it's uh, accompanied with be obedient to the truth. So obedience and loving one another matters. Like obedience to who God is and what he calls us to. This is what Peter's doing. He's connecting our love for one another towards our obedience to Jesus like our obedient, our, our personal holiness, whatever you want to call this, our, our personal walk with the Lord, our personal holiness, that that actually, because we, we all have this thought, like, oh man, I'm struggling with this one particular sin, or this sin is wreaking havoc in my life, but, but even in that case, it's really still just hurting me, um, or it's maybe I'm so struggling in this sinful relationship, but it's really just hurting us, 
The, the, the scriptures don't allow for that kind of reality. Surely there's more damage maybe uh, in those immediate relationships, but our obedience to the truth in er- any area of our life affects the relationships in all of our life. It's just a reality. That, that is a reality. And so it's like this earnest obedience to truth that takes, you know, that, that takes the spirit working in and through us for us to desire to obey what God has called us to. Not doing that affects our relationships. It's a really simple truth, but it's a simple truth that sometimes we, we put, again, it's like I was saying earlier, like e- even in that a particular struggle with objectifying uh, women, like, okay, this is a struggle I have. I don't like it, but it's not really affecting my relationships. It is. It truly is. Just like any other sin in our life, it affects uh, the reality of our relationships, that Peter is, is tying those things uh, together. Um, and then here's the reality. Again, by no means does that mean we have to be perfect uh, to love one another, but, but it's just not living in that false reality of, oh, this, this sin is just affecting me and not affecting anyone else. It actually is affecting other people. Um, again, sometimes we even, in our sin struggles, we get defensive uh, when people feel hurt by them because they're like, hey, this isn't against you. And when we realize, oh, th- there's some humility there where we can realize, no, this, this has hurt you. Uh, and, I, and I'm sorry, that, that is actually part of our struggle with sin is how it damages and hurts uh, the relationships that are around us. So that's one aspect of loving one another earnestly is actually having this desire to be obedient to the truth. And then obviously uh, to earnestly love one another, um, it's, it's also to be, it's to be committed to personal holiness um, and be in repentance and prayer and seeing those things bear fruit uh, in our relationships. Uh, but it also reflects this regular idea of intentionality. There's no amount of earnestness that is not also intentional. And, and kind of like earnestness takes intentionality and desperation and kind of combines them. It's this desperate intentionality. I, I, think, of the, I think the only other time this word is used in the New Testament is Acts 12, 5. It's actually speaking of Peter. It says, so Peter was kept in prison. Excuse me. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So it's the the same idea that as Peter was in prison and his brothers and sisters longed for him to be set free. And so they made earnest prayers. There was a desperation. There was an intentionality. They did just like fall into praying. They spent time and intentionality praying for Peter. And, and Peter is telling us to use that same kind of earnestness, sorry, um, in how we are brothers and sisters, how we love one another, how we engage with uh, friendship in the local church. And, and, and it's good just to kind of even consider, that's just where I think it's helpful to narrow it down to the local church because we can be really intentional and sometimes we're intentional in relationships that are just comfortable. But one of the things about, you know, being in a local church with people that make you uncomfortable is, you know, what should happen is we're forced to engage one another in a way that we wouldn't naturally outside of church. Um, and so, and, and there should be like this desperation to it, like this earnestness, like there's this, there's this need to do, like this needs to be present in my life. This needs to be an aspect of who I am as I follow Jesus, um, the question is, do you believe that your friendships here at Northbrook are important? So there's that question, and you can answer yes or no to, but the earnestness that's present in your life towards those relationships 
actually answers the question. That, that's, the, that's the teller that we can't deny one way or the other. Um, and so what, what would that say about those relationships? Again, we're talking about relationships uh, uh, as a church. Um, a couple just, you know, maybe you're, again, this is where you should feel encouraged. Like, man, by God's grace, I see this in my life. I see an intentionality. I see a passion. I see this is a drive of my life. Or I see, man, this is kind of falling off the radar for me. This is something that I am not, I don't know. Well, it's not me. What, you're raising your hands to me like it's my fault. What are you? Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, I love you, brother. Um, <laughs> uh, so if, if, if we feel like there's a gap here, uh, here, here's, here's a couple ways just to even really tangible, practical ideas. Especially if you're a member at Northbrook, you, you should have access to a list of other members at Northbrook. And so you're driving in your car, you're about to get in your car, you're about to listen to podcasts or about to listen to sports radio, you're about to listen to, you know, whatever. Go through the list and reach out to a brother. Or it, just, it helps, you know, jog your memory of who's a member at Northbrook and someone like, oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so lately. Oh, they... they we're just going to get through it together, guys. It's going to be fine. Um, and uh, I'm going to try. I really struggle with those things. There's some preachers that just press through like nothing's happening. Of course, then y'all all know what's happening. And anyways, um, but, uh, the, uh, but that'd be a, a really easy way um, just to jog your memory and be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to uh, be intentional about reaching out. Are you just going to give me a mic? Or? Oh, okay. I think maybe this is messing up. I don't think I did anything, but... Okay. You are wearing pink shoes this morning. And uh, so there's Clint Kalanick. His black and pink Jordans. Um, and so go back and give him a compliment on those. Um, so that, that's just one idea. Again, just uh, think about connecting. That's one of the things as pastors that we do. We have lists that we can go through and pray through people. And it's really helpful just to kind of go through the list. And sometimes I'll remember, oh, they had this going on. I should reach out and text and ask about that or, or make a phone call um, and, and do that. Because here's what we, it, well, personally, like I'm, I tend to in my car when I'm doing whatever I'm calling someone, I tend to call the people that I typically call. And, and there's an intentionality and a, man, alive. Can I just use another gadget here? Um, I'm sorry? Okay. Okay. So y'all are going to be really glad I broke this sermon up into two instead of one because this would have been even longer. I think I'm, thanks, man. Again, we'll, we'll get through this. I'm just going to, yes, praise God. Okay. That's one practical example, and I'm going to move along. Um, Here's, here's the reality. Perhaps we, uh, I, I don't want to lay this on too thick, but perhaps we should be embarrassed by how little that happens. P- perhaps that would be fairly revealing that, okay, that's, that's something that's very absent uh, from our life. Um, and, and we need to remember Jesus' words, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And, and let's be encouraged to, to press into where there's a gap. Here's the thing about places where there's a gap. That's a great opportunity for growth. It truly is. There's, there's much encouragement that God has for you there. There's much space to grow there. 
There's, there's encouragement from who God is and God's people that's absent that could be present by pressing in to those realities. Um, and then remember, Peter starts, uh, started with the end, and now he gets to the beginning in verse 23. Since you have been born again. So what he's saying is all of 22 happens because of what he's about to say in verse 23. Everything we just talked about happens because since you've been born again. Not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I'm going to stop there. We'll get to that last line uh, in a minute. But again, he's saying, having purified our souls, we love each other with a brotherly love because we have been born again. And so not only does it matter that we have been born again, the nature of our born-againness is actually important. That's part of what's happening here. Since we've been born again in a particular way, we have this kind of love for one another. And you see how we're, we're born again. We're born again through the Word, through the Word of God. So what we're, and, and the Word is kind of the major character of this, these last few verses. It's mentioned uh, three different times. Um, if you remember, uh, well, the, the idea that, that the Word of God is what creates this kind of brotherly love. Uh, and we see God's word is really just the main subject here, but Peter says so much about it. But we first have to define what Peter says when he says word. Because I, I imagine what comes to our minds is the Bible when we hear God's word. But I'm just going to be clear, that is actually not what Peter means. Peter is not talking about the Bible. When the Bible says word, it's, it's, it's translating this Greek word logos, which is uh, a really, uh, you know, there's certain words that have a great spectrum of meaning. Like in the English language, there's a lot of words that can mean lots. One word can mean lots of different things. Well, that's logos in the Greek. It has a great spectrum of use. Um, but probably the most famous use of it is maybe you know in John 1, 1 through 5, where every time you hear the word word, it's this Greek word logos, says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And speaking of John 1, D.A. Carson says this about this Greek word logos. God's Word in the Old Testament, is his powerful self-expression in creation, revelation, and salvation. And the personification of that word makes it suitable for John to apply it as a title to God's ultimate self-disclosure, the person of his own son. And so when we see God's word in the New Testament, we should think more like God wants to say something. God has this message for his people. This is, that's what that word means. It's a, it's a message. Like there's a message that God has for his people. And that message is, as Peter clarifies, is the good news that was preached to you. So when we see word, it should be closely, more closely tied with actually gospel than Bible. Now, obviously, it doesn't minimize the Bible. Where, where do we know, where do we go to find out anything about this gospel? Is the scriptures. But, but the Greek word, they're, they're two different things. Even when you see the word scriptures, in the Bible, that is a, that's a different Greek word uh, all together. Jesus in the gospel is God's message to the world. 
Uh, and so sorry to belabor that point, but I just want I want us to be good Bible readers. And so when we're reading the scriptures and we see that, that's that's what God uh, is saying. And we see that this word does all kinds of things. I mean, it's just the word of God. It creates this new life again. That's what makes us born again. We're born again through this word. This isn't a cheesy way to talk about Christianity as these born-again type of people. This is an acknowledgement of the deep brokenness we see in this world and that there is death and decay and that new life needs to happen. That's why that's what the phrase born again communicates. That's what anybody that has become a Christian has said, yes, I need that. There is death and destruction outside in this world that I see everywhere, but becoming a Christian is actually acknowledging it's not just outside, it's actually inside as well. I see ways I pursue death. I see ways I take part in decay. And I see that I need new life, that something has to happen. Uh, and, and that's what happens is we're born again uh, through God's word, through the message that he has for us. And, and for, for us to say we're born again, for us to become born again, again, it's a, it's a humbling reality. Like in our pride, like I'm fine. Everything's fine. So there's some bad stuff, but mostly everything's fine. Being born again is saying everything's not fine, but actually I'm actually not fine. Um, there's something off about what's going on in my heart. I don't do the very things I desire to do, uh, and I need new life. And then we see that the Word of God is imperishable. Again, we live in bodies that are perishing. We live in a world of decay, but there is nothing that can destroy the gospel. I know the older elementary kids are in here. Has anybody seen Super Pets? It's that new cartoon. Okay, couple, a couple. If you haven't seen it, it's all right. Um, but uh, it's also free on HBO Max. If you Sometimes HBO Max is like one of those things I always forget to go to. I'm like, oh, let's go see what's over there. And there's this movie. Um, and so, sorry, that's, HBO Max did not pay me for that message. Uh, but uh, uh, the, in that movie, one of the, the super the dogs gets this, you know, superpower of he's imperishable. He's invulnerable is how they talk about it. And uh, that's reality. Nothing can destroy him. And, and the reality is, like, the, the Bible and the gospel, the Bible talks about the gospel being like that in reality. It's not a fictional character. It's not a superhero. That there's nothing that will ever destroy the gospel. And people have tried. People have given their lives to destroy the gospel. Uh, people are continuing to try in many different ways to destroy the gospel. But there's nothing you or I or anybody can ever do it. To, it, it is imperishable. And then we know that it's, I love these two words together, that it's living and abiding, that there's something as the, the living God takes this word and seals our heart with it, as we know from Ephesians 1 with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is working in us and moving in us. Now what's coursing through our veins is this living and abiding work. In our Go group, we were talking about how that abiding word, it's, it's uh, mino, it's the idea of this lifeblood coursing through our veins, and that's what this gospel, this message that God has for humanity, for people, is, is how it's working and coursing through our veins and sharpening and growing and confirming and encouraging and convicting and moving, that it's never stagnant. It, it, it's doing. It is active. Um, that's what this word of God is in our life. And then finally we see that it is eternal. Um, the word of God, his message to humanity is the oldest truth in the universe. Uh, me and my son, I think we were just watching an interview with Stephen Colbert and uh, this scientist uh, talking about quantum mechanics and quantum, no, quantum physics. 
Sure. I'm really good at science. Uh, and, uh, but it, it's really fun. Or even, or even there's this new, man, I'm talking about, I watch TV, I guess, a lot. Uh, the, uh, there's this uh, documentary on Netflix on Infinity. Has anybody seen that one? On Infinity? Wow, I am the only, okay. Whew. Thank you, Andrew, for saving me. Uh, but, um, and it's, what is crazy is to see people try to explain the grandness and beauty and grandeur of the universe absent of God and his message for the universe. Uh, but what they're searching for, they will never find because it's here. It's in this message that he's given us. That's where the grandness and beauty and mystery and everything that makes sense of everything is found. And so when we look elsewhere, it's going to be a constant searching and chasing after the wind. But this, this message that God has for his people is the oldest truth uh, in the universe. It's eternal. It always has been. It always will be. Um, and, and it's just crazy as we think about it that it comes through the humble life of Jesus of Nazareth, a carpenter's son. Like this, this message of God's word for his people comes in the humility of this baby coming to be born, coming to reveal what God is like, and coming to invite us uh, by his abundant grace to, to be like him. And that's the, the word of this good news that was preached to you. I want, I want us to close just thinking about that. And this is the word, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. Uh, imagine for a second that uh, you're with a good friend that goes to Northbrook. Or imagine if you're married, imagine you're single. Um, single people are always having to catch up to married people. So we can just all be single for a minute. Um, imagine if you're single and you're with a good friend. So good sister, good brother, and y'all just hear mutually good news. Let's just say it's this. Let's just say y'all went in together, bought a lottery ticket. It's like the biggest lottery I've ever been lotteried. And uh, y'all win. Y'all find out this good news that y'all have won the lottery, you and your friend. Now, my goodness, that is good news that immediately unites it, it immediately, like you're, you're high-fiving, you're hugging, you're cheering, you're going out to celebrate. There's a unity that comes with the, the joint good news that you have heard. Um, that, that it just, everything else kind of pales in comparison uh, to that reality. And obviously you can see where I'm going with this, that we, we learned last week that, that all the lotteries in the world, all the gold in the world is not sufficient to redeem one soul. To pay for your sin or to pay for my sin but we have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And, and we see in the New Testament that this is good news. It's not good advice. It's not something we need to figure out or list or get earned. It's, it's just been, an, it's already happened. It's just announced to us. And this is what we do when we share uh, love, when we care for, one another with, care for one another with this kind of brotherly love as we continually announce this good news to one another. And again, when that's happening, Man, how much unity should be taking place? How many other things should be pelling in comparison to the reality that this good news has been preached to us? And that's what Peter's reminding these Christians in Asia Minor. It's like, remember, remember when you heard the good news? Remember when you didn't know it and now you do know it? Like, praise God for that reality. Um, and this is what happens when we do see this gospel, this word of God, as this most important good news that we could ever hear. And when we lose sight of this good news, 
that has been preached to us, obviously there's more potential for disunity. But if the gospel is truly this good news, then unity, it just happens. Like it's something we maintain, but it's m- we maintain it by seeing the beauty of this gospel. Uh, and this is what the Bible talks about, how we should love one another in the church. And so let me just end with that big idea again. You have been born again for the sake of loving one another, so love one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm just thankful for the Word of God, that you are the Word. You're you're not the Bible. You are God's message to humanity. Uh, We have no hope of being redeemed. There's nothing perishable that would pay for our sin, but but the precious blood of Christ um, we have been redeemed by. We see death reigning in this world, uh, but, but the good news is that you gave us a way to escape even death. And so we get to freely acknowledge our sin, acknowledge the ways we rebel. We get to acknowledge the brokenness of our life and the brokenness of this world, and we get to come to you, Jesus. Um, thank you. Thank you for entering into our brokenness. Thank you for putting on perishable flesh and yet living a perfect life and dying that death would end in you and resurrecting so that now what the perishable bodies we have now can be imperishable as we follow you into uh, our resurrection. We thank you that this message of hope is from you to us. It's not something we've conjured up, not something we've made. It's from the eternal God, everlasting holy, and loving. And so would you help us see this reality? Would you help us not lose sight of the good news? Would you help this good news be what motivates and encourages and informs the love that we have for one another as a church? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.